21CL Radio. Happy Monday morning to you, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. My name is Michael Bull, and I am your host today, and I am thrilled to be here with you, so thanks for joining us. Today, I've got an online magazine editor, and her name is Kristen McConnell. Many of us have some great ideas and things we think we should do or make happen. Sometimes it is difficult for us to take one of those ideas and, of course, make it a reality. We enjoy listening to the stories of those who do, though, and Kristen McConnell is one of those people. Kristen sees a need for the combination of conversation and great teaching pedagogies and the sharing of those ideas. In addition, Kristen knows that research-based, peer-reviewed content makes for a stronger, more sustainable conversation, capable of affecting even more dramatic change. That is why she launched the online journal, Globally Informed. Kristen shares with us her ideas behind the journal, how it works, and her plans for the future. Enjoy the conversation. Kristen McConnell, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it's nice to have you here because you are excited. You have something new that is in your life. It's not a new cat and it's not a new puppy or anything. It's something (laughs) maybe uh, even bigger than that. And do you want to tell us about that? In fact, I'll just, sorry, I'll give away the name. It's called Globally Informed. What is this Globally Informed all about? Yeah, Globally Informed is a new online peer-reviewed journal for international educators, and uh, we've just released the first issue uh, about a week ago, and you can find it on our website, which is at globallyinformed.org. And the journal really came about because I wanted to provide a forum for international educators to be able to share their experiences, share their insights into teaching and learning, and to have a way to connect with each other um, across regions. And so I know that within regions, there's conferences and it's easier to connect but it's more difficult to connect with each other, say, for example, from my side of the world here in South America with somebody uh, on your side of the world in Asia. So why is it? I mean, we can always connect through Facebook or Twitter or like having a Skype call like, like this right now. Why did you feel, what's the why behind why you wanted to create this, this magazine to, to do the sharing? What was missing? Well, I think one of the things that was missing is this idea that in international education, we have um, educators who are getting opportunities to learn all of these new things. And one of the experiences that I found when I was, I used to work at Nido de Aguilas in Chile. And as I would talk with new teachers who are coming in or we would share our experiences, um, it's inevitable that you would hear people say like, well, at my old school, we did this. Uh-huh. Or at my school, we did this. Um, and then we would go off and go to a conference and come back and people would be excited and say, um, oh, I was just at this conference and I learned this and, and let's do this. And so there are all of these different ideas that are coming into schools and some of them have um, foundations and have worked really well in one place, but maybe don't as work, work as well in another place. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to provide a way that we could sort of um, serve as not just have information that's being shared, for example, through blogs or through Twitter 
where or through Facebook where you're mm -hmm. sharing your opinion, but where we could sort of have some checks and balances. And so with the journal, we have a set of people who are peer reviewers who've all volunteered to do this work that represent different disciplines, different um, schools, different um, positions in schools and serve as sort of like this check and balance. So if somebody wants to share their practice, um, it's not that it's automatically published, but we have a group of people who are going to read that and look through some criteria and look for things like, is this person offering new insight into teaching and learning? Um, are they grounding their work in the literature? So it's not just this really cool idea, but there's some sort of evidence that this works and talking about how it works um, for our students in international schools, which is, I think, a really unique population in comparison to a lot of research or articles that we read about students that are um, in what would be more of a traditional school. Yes, I agree. And that's why, of course, we love teaching overseas, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, because I noticed you mentioned peer-reviewed, like, right out the gate at the top of your statement. And so you see that then as a differentiator between what I had mentioned, which is just sort of the, I don't know, the, the, the flowing river of Twitter and Facebook and all those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things I'm really proud of about the journal. Um, I put a call out for people to volunteer to be peer-reviewers, and um, I did that probably back in April. Uh -huh. And I had a group, I think we ended up with about 16 peer reviewers for the oh. first issue of the journal. Wow. And wow. we have people from, um, there were some heads of schools, we have administrators, we have teachers, we had people from um, really uh, all over, from Africa, from South America, from Asia, from the Middle East. And it was really inspiring to me to see such a diverse group of people come together and want to share their expertise to um, contribute to the journal. So that is great. And my next question then would be, how did you find that variety of people? What sort of, what sort of ways did you use to connect to those people to help them build your platform? In a way, I'm going to have to say it's luck. Um, <laughs> well, they say people who work hard are lucky a lot or something like that. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that, um, I, I don't have a great answer for that. I really did my best to advertise this journal, um, in a way that would reach as many different international educators as possible. So mm -hmm. I started off with my own personal network on Facebook and Twitter. And then through those two venues, there were other people who just started reposting and sharing my call for volunteers, my call for people to submit articles. Mm -hmm. um, I used LinkedIn. I reached out to regional associations. Um, I was at one conference in um, San Diego, which was not an international educator conference, but there was a pre-conference that I helped design. This is the Deeper Learning Conference, and at that pre-conference um, was for international educators, and so I was able to talk to people there. And it really just started off as this sort of grassroots, I've got this idea, what do you think? And people started getting excited about it. So what do you think, I mean, we're busy, everybody, right? So it was, it, you have to things have to become a priority for you to do it. So, do you have an idea, maybe specifically, what spoke to people that said, "Yes, I want to take time to get involved with this"? Was there anything that maybe jumped out that I don't know, maybe even surprised you? Well, I think one of the things that 
In the beginning, I thought about, and then as you go through all of the steps and things that you need to do to launch a project like this, maybe it got buried a little bit. But as I reflect back on it and think about the experiences that I've had and the feedback that I've had from the peer reviewers and the people who contributed articles as well, is that it's actually a really unique opportunity for professional learning. And so there's this idea that um, you want to contribute and give back to the field because you're passionate about education and you're passionate Mm -hmm. about teaching and improving outcomes for students. And this is a way that you can um, read somebody else's work and really take some time to think deeply about the message or the information that they're sharing, um, thinking about contextualizing it, thinking about, um, is this grounded in the literature? Is this something that I find interesting that I think people at my school would find interesting? Is this something that I would want to talk with my peers about? And that's really what I wanted is to be able to have a, a place where we could um, start conversations with each other and maybe there's an idea that you hadn't thought of or somebody shares something and you have a different opinion about it, but to really have a solid piece of writing that's grounded in literature, that's like this jumping off point for talking with your colleagues and sharing ideas. And do you feel like there wasn't something like that prior to now, Is that there was really a, a space or a niche that you could fill there? I, you know, I think what's different, I don't think that, I think that there are other, absolutely that there are other um, articles and blogs Mm. and information out there. But what I think is different is this concept of um, a collaborative effort. It's not just one person who submits something and then it gets published. There's a process that you go through where you're um, like, an author is getting feedback from peer reviewers and then working with an editor. Or it's not just one peer reviewer who is reading an article, but there's multiple peer reviewers reading the same article and thinking about that person's work and giving them feedback. So I think that sort of the niche that it fills is that even if you're not the person who's writing the article, you really feel like you're contributing to a knowledge base for the good of international educators. Okay, so if I'm looking to write something for this, like typically it would just be, here's a blog post, enjoy, okay, yeah, sure, edit it a little bit. But you're saying I'll get feedback from a, uh, one or two or what, however many people about the work that I'm doing, maybe asking me to expand in this area or another. Absolutely, maybe even more feedback than you want. <laughs> oh, so that's kind of cool, though, because you, you're going to attract a different kind of writer that way. Absolutely. And so you should get more substantial uh, a more substantial commitment from somebody who you know, is going to give you a first round and then it, and have to expect that it's going to go through multiple uh, editions. Yeah, you are going to go through multiple editions. And I imagine that some of the authors were probably like, oh my gosh, another email or <laughs> <laughs> something else I have to revise. But I think also the feedback that I've gotten from the authors is that overall it was a very positive experience. Uh-huh. And they felt like their thinking about their own work has improved. I think it also puts you back in that role of being a student who's working on writing and knowing that your first draft mm. is not your only draft, that we go through these iterations and, and revisions, and, and that's how our work gets better. Okay. So I was wondering about marketing. So other than this fantastic podcast, of course, how do you plan to get the word out about this? Because there's you know, it's a huge competition for our attention now. So uh, what's going to get this in front of, you of, other, of people versus looking at something else, do you think? Or what do you hope, at least? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
I've been using my initial strategy because it has worked so far, um, which is just to go back to social media, to contact schools. Um, I've been contacting heads of school. We've given out free trials because this is something that's brand new. And so, or, or trial subscription, I should say. This is something that's brand new. And so obviously people are like, well, what is that? Or, or maybe people aren't sure, sure well, what does it mean to, to be a peer review journal? And so um, we have a promotion code, which is a free trial. Uh, I think it's free trial 2016. I'll find out for sure and make sure that you have that in case anybody wants to take a look. Okay. So also, just, just for people listening, I'll make sure I put it in the show notes in case it's that or something else. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And then we also have a couple of articles that are just open access articles. And so if the, uh, as we're um, sharing the information through Twitter, through LinkedIn, through Facebook, through contacting um, librarians and heads of schools and administrators to share this work with their mm-hmm. staff, um, we have, uh, there's a welcome letter from the editor and each issue is going to feature an open access article. So if somebody stumbled across it, they could read the article. They could have access to an article and get a better sense of what the journal's like. And then I also am trying my hand at podcasting um, to share information uh-huh. about the journal as well. Although my podcast is a little bit different in that the journal is more of uh, an academic piece, and the podcast is really a way for people to connect about their personal stories. And so one of the things that I've learned, and you probably have a similar experience, is that I think international educators are incredibly interesting people. Sure, yeah. Uh, Yeah, to be an international educator, you have to be a risk taker. You have to be flexible and adaptable. Um, You tend to be really good at taking on multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. And because of all of those things and your willingness to go to new places and to put yourself in situations that maybe are a little bit uncomfortable, but also you find exciting and exhilarating, um, lead to lots of really interesting stories. And so I wanted to be able to tell the stories of the people who are in international schools as a tool to also bring people to the website in the journal and, um, take a peek and see what's there. So the podcast is totally open access, the journal subscription. Okay, got it. Uh, so do you plan doing, well, of course, now I'm excited about your podcast. <laughs> do you plan doing uh, four shows a year or 10 shows a year or, or maybe uh, just as you come across people or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm hoping to get a podcast out about once a month, whereas the journal right now is going to be twice a year. So once during the first semester, once during the second semester. Uh, long-term goal is to have the journal be quarterly, but mm-hmm. in as we're starting off, we want to make sure that we have enough content for our readers. And so to complement the journal, the podcast is hopefully going to come out about once a month. So, you know, you're, you, maybe you have more time right now, but do you ever worry that as you become, let's say you're working full time next year and things like that, that you become fully involved in life or whatever, that it'll be a struggle to continue to put, keep something like this going? Or is your passion so strong that no matter what, it's going to keep going? My passion is so strong. So uh, this has started as a passion project. I am taking a year off and 
um, really dedicating myself to getting this up and running because I think it's something that is really important. And I think that it's nice to have a balance between scholarship and practice. And I find that this is a really nice balance between the two. Um, but now that we've got the website built and a lot of the processes figured out, right. uh, the the prospect of getting articles, we've already had two articles submitted for the second issue, which is amazing. Okay. Um, each time an article comes in or someone sends an email and is excited and wants to pe- be a peer reviewer, um, it's, it's just really rewarding. And so I don't see it as something that will get bogged down later in life, but something that's inspiring and that I want to keep doing um, because I think it's important. Okay. So we're getting towards the end of our time. And I, I'd like to always like to ask the final question and ask about the future. And, you know, we've talked, a, you've talked a little bit about your hopes for this, but uh, it's fun to go, at least for me, <laughs> to ask people to go <laughs> 10 years or more out. And you know, what would your dream be of where this maybe where your mission has gone with this, which includes this, uh, which includes the, the review article, excuse me, the, the site here, but maybe you wouldn't want to expand even further into other things. So 10 years from now, where would you hope your mission with this would go to? Yeah, 10 years. So 10 years. Or we'll eight and have a half, a, whatever, up to you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a full library um, with content. One of the things that I haven't mentioned yet that I just want to say, because oh, sure, as yeah. I like sort of fast forward and think about what this might look like 10 years from now. Um, In addition to articles about teacher practice and leadership, we also have a section dedicated to to students. And so in each issue, there's a student art gallery and there's uh, room for student work. And so I'd really like to see that section increase. And right now, um, the way that we're set up is that teachers are submitting student work on behalf of the students. But I would love to see this grow and have students be more directly involved. Um, and so their voice is equally shared in, in this work. And so I hope to see um, tons of content, people collaborating back and forth. There's a way that you can make comments on each other's work. And I would love to see not just people leaving comments for the authors, but starting to engage in conversation and and talk about practice and maybe even see at conferences, uh, people getting together and having discussions about articles and meeting the authors and um, growing from there. I've been speaking with Kristen McConnell. She is the editor of Globally Informed. Thanks so much, Kristen, for your time today. Thank you for having me. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.